Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and today we're on episode 12 out of 30. We've got plenty more in the pipeline, but today is all about the New York Yankees. The team that needs no introduction, virtually every human on earth knows them, but do they know about their bright and talented young farm? We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Yankees fans, even though you can't sit at the Bronx Zoo this year, today I invite you to sit back and talk about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 12, ladies and gentlemen, today is all about the Bronx Bombers, the evil empire, the modern-day murderer's row. The New York Yankees here. We are here breaking down the entire organization's top prospects that you need to know. And today, I have with me to talk about these prospects. He puts the war in the keyboard warrior. He's Mr. Jake Tillinghast. Jake, uh, talking Yankees today. Are you ready? Yeah, I guess I get why not. Everyone's ready to talk some Yankees, right? Yeah, I mean, the original Baltimore Orioles, so this is my path. I mean, are you saying you're a fan of the Yankees? I'm saying I'm a fan of the Baltimore Orioles from 1901 to 1903 before they decided to change things. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, Jake, are you excited not to talk about the Yankees, but to talk about who's joining us today from across the drip, accruing all sorts of air miles, I'm sure, with the Queen's permission from Blighty herself, Mr. Jake Tweedy. Tweedy, uh, how are you, man? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> more excited to be joining you two. <laughs> I like how I ask, how are you? And you say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones. <laughs> I think it's becoming obvious that I don't know anything about the UK. Uh, I just randomly, like, okay, they called them blighty. So I'm just going to use the word blighty in my intro. Uh, you, go, you do what you got to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Um is it true that all communication between Americans and Brits it has to be pre-approved through the Queen? Of course. And and the Parliament gets involved somehow? Of course. You have to have special permission. Good, good. I, I don't want to break any international treaties or anything like that. Um, so as long as we're all in the same legal area, uh, we can keep going. Let, let's, let's get started. Let's get down to it, Tweety, Jake. Let's cut the malarkey and get these Yankees fans what they want. You know the drill here. We're going to talk on the top five guys and hit five players that you want to spotlight out of the remainder of the top 20. The number one guy in the system, he has as much hype as any prospect in the game. We're talking Jason Dominguez. He has all the potential in the world when you look at the numbers surrounding him. He's a true 5 tool player with a 55 grade or better in every aspect of his game. The Yankees spent $5.1 million on him in this signing, and that was a franchise record at the time. You know, long gone are the days where you sign a Panamanian pitcher for you know, 2,500 bucks. But beyond the peripheral numbers, Dominguez is said to be a future 30-30 threat and can compare to guys like Mickey Mantle or, or Mike Trout. So obviously he's only 17, so we could be a long way from being proved right or wrong. But are these comps legit or is this just Yankee hype? I mean, there's there's not a lot to go off, but when you see what, you, what there is available, you see that he is by far the standout in these ranks at least. So obviously he's yet to make his debut and really play, play Pro Bowl, but they spent a lot of money on him. And there's a lot of positive vibes around him. So, hey, it could be the next big thing. It could end up being a bust, but we're hoping for the be next best thing. Yeah, I mean, the comps are definitely rich for sure. I mean, if you ever get compared to the best players of all time, Mickey Mantle, I mean, Mike Trout's on his way there. You definitely have some lofty expectations to live up to. And as a 17-year-old playing for the Yankees, it doesn't really get much loftier than that. 
So, I mean, right away this offseason, we haven't seen the kid play, and there was a video that came out that everyone was all scared already. But, uh, they saw his weight when he was hitting on a video he posted on Instagram and stuff. But I'm not over too overly concerned about it. There was another video that came out a few days later that he looked pretty much uh, pretty in shape. So I think he's fine. But living up to those expectations, quite honestly, I doubt it. I mean, it's pretty hard to say someone would do that. But the kid's got number one prospect written all over, all over him, quite honestly. I mean, just give him a few years to actually get acclimated and developed in the minor leagues. He's probably going to be one of those guys we see at the age of 20. He's matured at, tw- at 20. I mean, just go look at his Instagram videos. Just tell me the kid's not... Physically, he's a he is a thick boy in these videos. The video that's linked on the article, he is thick and strong, and he can swing. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. I mean, I, I don't know if he he like. I mean, he he has sixty speed now. If he can keep sixty speed with that frame, it's. I mean, the kid's impressive already, but it wouldn't shock me. But I, I expect his speed to slightly slow down. But yeah, I mean, he's got legitimate thirty power, thirty home run power, and I would say twenty steals. I, I'd be a little rich on the thirty steals in my opinion, but thirty twenty is for sure insight for him. So I'm looking at the current top 100 uh, prospects in baseball, and Wander Franco is number one. He's 19 years old. And then there's a lot of people in their 20s, and you go all the way down to like Julio Rodriguez, who's 19, CJ Abrams, who's 19. So in a couple years, all these guys in the 20s are going to be no longer prospects. How long until Jason Dominguez, we can firmly say he could be in contention for number one prospect in baseball? probably heading into 2022 so give him next season to debut play in the minors and let all these guys wander as you said all these guys kind of graduate and get in the majors and do what they got to do get off the lists and i mean i don't think it's going to happen i don't think just will be the number one but that's okay a realistic chance at that point i think yeah. yeah not saying he's going to be the number one but you know like he has the potential if these five tools all grade out you know oh, yeah. you can't ignore him Oh, no, yeah. He definitely has the tools to match a number one prospect pedigree for sure. I just think there's other prospects that will be in that range at the same time as him and maybe have a little more pedigree at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely high on Jason. I'm just, again, I don't know if those those expectations are honestly even realistic. It's it's tough to say that someone's going to be that good. So we, we usually save Reddit questions for the end, but I actually do have a Reddit question that fits in pretty nicely right here at the top. Uh, it's from one Bilk Osby. Uh, he asks, which of Dominguez's tools is most likely to change, whether it be positively or negatively, and which are the most likely to hold true going forward? Well, I think Jake answered it then with the speed. If he, mm-hmm. if you look at him now, and obviously then speed's a little bit of a cheat because speed changes for everyone. If you get older, you get slower. Yeah, of course, but then in the same sense of he's being this hyped up as a thirty thirty player and then you look at how he is and how he develops he's he looks a big boy as it is now so obviously his speed is obviously going to be the big change you like to think his power is going to be the one that holds out the most mm-hmm. he's obviously going to develop that the more baseball he plays especially going into pro ball but yeah I think if you wanted to go out on the limb maybe field in would we go that slightly get better as he plays more American Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's listed as a 45 current, 55 future. So, I mean, as he learns the American, I guess, I mean, I don't know how, how different the ball flight is from a Dominican baseball field to an American baseball field. But still, le- learning the learning the American way, learning game speed, learning Yankee development, that 55, surely, it, it, you're right, it could jump up to a, to a really plus fielding tool. 
I actually just want to touch on something. I was kind of having a conversation with uh, our other writer. You guys have heard of him on the podcast a few times, Drake, and just a little DM back and forth. And I was kind of just had a little something that popped in my mind. And I don't know if it's going to be the case, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, what if just if Dominguez in three years turns out to be the same prospect that Dylan Carlson is right now, are we upset? Well, I mean, Dylan Carlson is what a 55 future value. Uh, Hang on. So I think 55 yeah, plus. I think- 55 plus future value. So I think Cardinals fans are ecstatic to have him. Now, if you have the, the, the player comps of Mickey Mantle, then yeah, I think Dylan Carlson's a disappointment. And I think anytime you put that sort of player comp on a player this early as a 17 year old, it's destined for disappointment. Uh, but somewhere in the middle between Carlson and, and Mantle is, is likely the outcome. Although shoot, he's 17. He also could just never make the majors. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're talking about Dylan Carlson as your kind of floor at this point as a 17-year-old, I'm pretty sold. So that was just something that kind of popped in my mind. That's interesting. Is he better than Dylan Carlson? <laughs> I, uh, just I don't similar profiles, to... you know? Uh, yeah, hitting yeah, outfielders, you know, good arms, good hit tools, some power. So just overall, the, I mean, it could happen. Probably not, but I think we've had enough Domingos now, you know? <laughs> it, it is the the Dominguez hype is real. Let's move on. Let's move away from Dominguez. Let's move on to number two. Number two in the system is pitcher DV Garcia. The realist in me believes the old trope. You know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect because of how volatile and, and random pitching can be. But I look at DV and I like what I see. His curveball is a massive break and it leaves hitters looking silly. He strikes out 13 per nine and he has that high spin rate fastball. He's athletic, and, and so far he's remained durable, though the Yankees have been kind of testing him as a reliever, so my rotation thoughts might be dashed. But still, as a pitcher, he seems to be a sure bet to help the Yankees soon. Uh, am I cursing him by labeling him as a sure bet pitcher? Maybe not an elite pitcher, but just he's absolutely going to be a contributor for the Yankees and be a good contributor. I think in Yankees system, you're always going to be close of the amount of injuries they have. I think you look at how many have had last season, how many have had this season. You stay in that system and you're doing well and you're consistently performing. I think you've got every single chance of making it into the 40-man roster or even closer to making the starters. You look at Florial tonight, obviously we're going to touch on him a bit later, but you always have a chance to get in there, I think, especially with how healthy their players normally end up being. Yeah, I mean, this is the most injury-struck team in probably geez history i would be fair to say uh, quite honestly I think the texas rangers of a few years back might argue with you all right well this has been pretty crazy <laughs> two-year stretch for the yankees i mean any type of talent just goes down and the fact that they just continue to win is just mind-boggling to me it's just awesome but um yeah i mean i definitely think i mean quite honestly we should see dievi this season i mean other than the fact that they just want to save time on a service clock but I mean, he's he's for the most part ready. I mean, he's proven he's ready. He's got he's got the stuff. I do think he's a a reliever long term, but I think with a team like this, as Sweetie as Sweetie said, he's gonna break in as a starter. He's gonna be given every chance to start, and there's no real reason to just label him as a reliever at this point. But I do see his career kind of falling in that category, just as a high power reliever, just back of the bullpen guy that can just get quality outs just consistently. But yeah, I mean, he's got good stuff. Just I. Wonder why the Yankees haven't called him up, but they also haven't done the same with uh, Clark Schmidt, who we're going to talk about in a few. But yeah, I think it's just maybe an organizational thing. They're kind of 
not wanting to start the clock on these guys, but he's ready. He, we, I'm ready to see him in the majors, quite honestly. Well, you say long-term reliever profile, but he's going to start out as a starter and kind of see where that falls. But he start, He played in 26 games last year. He only started 21. And uh, those five that he didn't start all came at the end of the year. It seemed like they were grooming him at the end of the year. They saw something and they're like, all right, reliever, let's just put him in the pen and see how he does. Uh, and now they're going to put him back out as a starter? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you were just going to not say he's a starter. I, I think that could have definitely been something that they were trying to limit the innings possibly as well, just later in the season, just probably mm, limit sure. things a little bit. But I mean, he's like I said, I think he's a he's a reliever long term, but he's definitely going to get a chance to start. You don't have a prospect like this with this much talent. And especially in a system, like we said, that has this many injury concerns. You don't give him not you don't not give this kid a chance to start and see what he can kind of be capable of. His worst case, you throw him in the pen and his stuff plays up a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm not I wouldn't be worried about that right now. Does the command worry you, though? Um, a little bit. That's part of the bullpen concerns a bit. Just the overall just package, the the command, just the overall ability to hold up his frame, just just not like not in the short term. I think it'll just the long term, like say four or five, six years down from the road. I don't see him be able to kind of consistently go one fifty, two hundred innings a season. Just that frame, he's still only 163 pounds. Even I mean the height's another thing. Like you can be successful at that height, but when you don't have much weight on you, you don't have much kind of just bulk on your frame to kind of sustain just really anything and just go deep into starts, go deep into, into long seasons. I mean, we see how many pitchers go down every season. you got to be able to withstand that stuff. And he hasn't proven really that ability yet. He's young. So, again, he'll get that shot. It's just going to be up to him to kind of stick in the rotation or not. I agree. Like, obviously, he's going to – he obviously was starter majority of last season, but we've touched on it on a couple of other pitchers before. Like, I suppose there's that exposure to different pressures, different situations, especially in AAA, you the closest you're going to be to the majors. So you're going to, to then get, I think we one bit you did two to six, then you have like a six to seven, you have middle, middle of the innings, four to five. It's exposure to different areas of the game. And I think that's another good thing that's positive for him. He knows what he's like as a starter, right? Let's see what it's like in relief as well. And then you can then, like I say, groom him into the, the main roster. Yeah, and remember, this kid's only just turning 21 right now. So, I mean, he's still extremely young. I mean, pitching at AAA at the age of 20 is pretty impressive just by itself. So, I, I, there's, a, there's a ton of talent here. The Yankees see it. They're probably just being slow. But I think he's ready to be up there. Nice. I, uh, I hope he's athletic enough. I, I know he is an athletic player. And I hope he remains athletic enough that he can kind of get past the lack of size to remain durable and, and, and hold himself as a starter. Because... You're right. As the number two prospect in the system, if you're a long-term reliever, gotta offer more than that. So, let's keep moving down. Let's fall the li- fall down the list a little bit more to number three. You already touched on for a second. We're talking Clark Schmidt w- with an arsenal of four above-average pitches and being three years removed from Tommy John with no real ill effects. Schmidt put together a rock-solid season last year across three levels. He had nearly a four-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, and it's certainly something to hang your hat on. And he only allowed four homers across 90 innings. A lot of that strikeout success was found in the lower levels, but even in Double A, where he ended the year, he managed uh, strikeout per inning. How close is Clark to making the Yankees rotation? I know we just touched on that with Garcia, how they're kind of holding back, and and we don't know what the Yankees are doing. But when they when he makes that rotation, where is he going to stand in that rotation? I'm surprised, to be honest, that he's not he isn't up there. I mean, like 
He said he's got four above average pitches. He's looked good despite having his Tommy John surgery, and he's done well. He done well at Tampa. He's done he done all right at Trenton as well. So he's one of those that he's. It's a surprise that he's not in there yet. What do you see his ceiling as once he enters the majors? Well, I guess maybe not year one, but a couple of years down the road. Where are we looking at Clark Schmidt? I reckon he could be he could be another one that's that could be adjusted to reliever a little bit as well. I mean. I know he came back. He's come back strong since his surgery, but you look. He's done since he's been in in around Pro Bowl. He's not really gone over. He's not gone over a hundred innings. He's made what nineteen appearances last season. So he's not quite hit that regular game time to show that he can start as a starter. But again, he's definitely one of those that could be used as a starter and as a reliever if needed. Yeah, I, I definitely see Clark as a starter. Definitely, there's some concerns with how little he's pitched in the minors, like you said, due to the injury. But, I mean, I think he's shown in the uh, in the, the, little, the little that we have seen him recently in summer camp and alternate site that's come out recently. His stuff, it looks really improved from before the injury. And quite honestly, I think he's a much better pitcher than he is prior to it. Uh, the slider is legitimate. I think it's a plus pitch. Quite honestly, that's what we have it graded as right now. And everything else is just an above average pitch. And he's got good command. Um, just overall, I mean, the package is good. I think it's a little different scenario with, um, than Dievi. There's been some injury concerns, obviously, with both of them. But, um, I mean, Clark Schmidt's 24. This kid, he's it's not as if this guy's 21 like Dievi, and he just they can make the excuse like, oh, this he's young. He doesn't deserve to be up yet, or he needs more time. The only real excuse here is Clark's like health, and he's shown every reason to believe that he's healthy at this point, and he doesn't really exactly need to build up innings this season because heck there's only what 30 25 games left in the season he's gonna get three four starts anyway so it's not like he's gonna waste time or waste bullets or anything like that he's just gonna get legitimately good experience in a playoff run and all that and especially when the team needs it they have all like we said earlier they have all these injuries they're calling up guys they're making starts by just solid solid pitchers but pitchers that aren't clark smith's capabilities quite honestly and i think this is just a strict service time thing and I don't know, they'll probably chalk it up as an injury and they want to just be careful with him and not rush him to the bigs and all that, but the guy's ready. Yeah, it, it's fun to see the Yankees of old, you would have a prospect and he would immediately be traded away for the rental that helps them win the World Series at the end of the year. And now the Yankees are finally letting these prospects grow and do something and become real prospects in their system. And you see it with Clark. They've held on to him for four years since he came out of South Carolina in 2017 and and now they have this steady, rock-solid, consistent pitcher that's ready to enter the rotation. And this farm system is just going to be so good for years to come because now they've found this new algorithm, and they're running with it, and it's working. And if Clark Schmidt does what we think he's going to do, it's going to work even better. So let's move down to number four, though. We're talking Kevin Alcantara. He's outfielder. And he was the focal point of the Yankees' 2018 international class one year before they signed Dominguez. Alcantara seems to be a very similar player in my eyes. They both grade out well across the board. With Alcantara, we have a you know 50 hit tool, 55 power, and then you got 50 55s across the board with speed, arm, and fielding. With a year of rookie ball under his belt, his numbers do need some work. I'd like to see him work counts a little bit more and do some more walks, but I can't blame him. If I were a six foot six, 18 year old, I would just hit monster home runs every single time, or just swing for the fences every single time, to just because you know you can't. Are we looking at another future five-tool guy in the field beside Dominguez here? Because if that's the case, the Yankees are going to have a scary outfield in the future. Yeah, they look, they've looked like they've 
they've done well with their international market. He's another one that's just he's got plenty of upside. But I know last year wasn't a big sample size, but he sh- he looked good. He is he hit the ball well. He's got like I said, he got a little bit excited and really went for it with his. 20% strikeout rate but hey he's done he's done well in his first year and he's a young player as well so he's playing at rookie ball at 16 I think yeah, she came in as yeah, last season 16. so that's impressive impressive in itself so it's be interesting to see once he starts playing a bit more pro ball next year and see how he really develops but he's another one that's just as exciting uh, for me anyway so he's li- listed as a center fielder for in, in rookie ball, and we all know that's going to change or that could change as he progresses. Is he staying as a center fielder when he becomes a New York Yankee? Again, it's like it's another one of those that how that developed from what he's had previously. Again, another Dominican player, eighteen. Once he starts getting into it more, it might be it might end up going into the corner outfield. But he's got a decent arm, solid arm strength, so. Yeah, it's just another one of those that could looks like it could play across the outfield. Yeah, I mean, if he fills out that one ninety where he is right now, six six could easily be six six two twenty two twenty five. With his you know overall game, he could be scary. Jake, what do you think about Alcantara? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's a big boy. I mean, he's got to put on some weight, but um, I don't I don't think he's a complete five tool player. He definitely has. I think four legitimate tools and the hit tools, the one concern right now, definitely with that walk rate last year. Um, I mean, like you said, it was his first year in, he was definitely antsy trying to just show off his six foot six frame and why people spend so much money on him and all that. But yeah, I, I like the, honestly, the, the overall profile here. I don't think he's a center fielder long-term. I think as he kind of fills in that frame, like you said, he's going to kind of grow into a corner outfielder, but he has a profile. He has the power and, and fine enough arm strength to find, be fine out there in right field. He's a good enough athlete. Um, He'll be fine out in left or right. He should grade out as a uh, as a above average fielder out there. But yeah, I mean, the hitting is where it's really going to matter with him. Quite honestly, I mean, that's why you got this guy. You got him for the bat projection. I mean, he's six foot six. You don't buy a six foot six guy for a defensive projection. You're getting this guy because you're hoping he turns into a middle of the order bat, and he has that potential. Like we said, he's got to get a little more selective and a little more patient. But as he kind of starts growing into that frame, I think he'll start growing into more power. And slowly that speed will kind of creep down as we kind of talked with, with uh, Dominguez. I think it'll be a little more um, significant with Alcantara. I think he'll try to put on some good weight to get that power up there. But as long as he can get the ball in the air, the air a little bit more, I think he's going to project for, as we have here, a 50, 50, 55 power. I mean, he's a potential 30 homer guy. And I have the hit tool at about a 40, 45 right now. I think there's some there's, there's some concerns there. But like I said, if he can if he, if he can show on some improvements this uh, next season coming up, it's going to be a big year for him. He can definitely be up in the uh, possibly number two spot if we get rid of Dievi and Clark soon. But he, he's going to be a fun name. I mean, him and Jason are going to be, or Jason, whatever you want to call him. I'm still not figuring out <laughs> we're, right now. We're unsure. We'll call him Dominguez. I should probably know, I feel like, but apparently I don't. So, but I'm sure the Yankees fans are going to tell us on Reddit. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm sure they don't even know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to say something, and I need you guys to tell me I'm crazy. Six foot six with power, speed, some fielding, and a little bit of a high strikeout rate. Are we talking Giancarlo Light? Mm, no, I don't think he has that power. Okay. Giancarlo well, legitimately I has said light. power. I did say the <laughs> word light. <laughs> How light is your interpretation? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're exactly comparable. They're, they're a bit different to me. <clears throat> okay. 
Well, let's keep moving on then. Let's go to number five. Let's round out that top five. And we're going to be looking at shortstop Alexander Vargas. He's 18 years old. He doesn't have that classic home run power, but but judging by his slash line, he's got a good enough hit tool that mixes with you know extra base power and speed to give him a more than respectable batter profile. With a future arm and glove at 55 and 60, he seems to truly be able to stick at the shortstop position, which is good because he probably doesn't have the pop to play third. He's only 18, so we've got a lot of development left, Tweety. Tweety, I know he's young, so we can't use that caveat here. Uh, but do you see him as an everyday Yankee, even if the power never comes along? I think, yeah. Why not? I mean, like, he's he's got decent hitting ability. Like, he's a switch hitter as well, which is obviously a plus. He can barrel from both sides, and he makes consistent contact. So he, gets, he can hit the ball, right? And he can still bases in between as well. So, yeah, I think... Although he's not that exciting, he's going to hit X amount of home runs a season, he's still going to have that ability to get on base and cause problems when he's on base. And then when you've got the other side of how good he is defensively, I think he has got the potential to slot in there. It's just, we say it about everyone, about most of the Yankees list, they are young players, another international player. But he's one that's very different from the last two that we've been speaking about. And, I think that makes it him just just as exciting, especially just exciting as uh, Alcantara. Yeah, like you said, he's definitely an interesting player. He's definitely different than the few player or the, the few uh, hitters we've talked about before, Jason and uh, Alcantara. But he's a switch hitting shortstop with potential to stick at the position with a strong hit tool. Yeah, the power is not there, but he's just he's a he's a small kid. He's five eleven, one fifty right now. He's got to put on some weight. Another kid that just again needs to put on weight as he grows older. I'm not sure he's going to be able to kind of grow into that power potential ever really like we have we have, we have the power as a 35 right now i think that's pretty pretty accurate um he shows some potential to kind of give some power from the right side but it's still definitely again it's it's not anything that you're gonna be overly excited about that you're looking at this guy as a power hitter he's either a top of the order or the bottom of the order kind of guy he shows some good athleticism and base ceiling ability out there uh 15 steals last year in minimal time so Again, I think he has some potential. I think he's going to rise. He's going to be a slow riser, likely. I think that bat's going to take a little bit of time to kind of come around. But the fielding's legit. The fielding will make him rise. And again, as as long as that bat continues to show up, he'll continue to rise the ranks. And eventually, he'll find his way up in the bigs. It's in like again, probably four years from now. But I definitely see him uh, having a role in the future. And I wonder how much of it, uh, since he only has one year under his belt in the Yankees, how much of his kind of depressed stat line was because he kind of got worn down because he came out hot in June. His slash line was 328, 403, 534. And then he finished, finished his year significantly under that. Um, first year under the belt, trying to show up a little bit, come out hot, and then you get tired. I, I, I see it happening. I can definitely understand why that would happen. Yeah, it's probably just has to do with fatigue for sure. I mean, like you said, he's a young kid. The hit tool, that was the, definitely the concern with him. So as he kind of just got throughout the season, players could have been figuring out, maybe there's some scouting reports on him. Maybe they were figuring out, figuring out ways to get him out. Now it's just up to him to kind of combat that and figure out another way to just kind of find a way on base and find a way to use his hit tools and his, his uh, back control. He's, he's got really good back control from both sides of the plate for a young kid. It's pretty impressive. So I do have faith. He'll be able to tap into that back control and that hit tool and eventually keep rising. He's, he has, he doesn't have big strikeout rates. He has decent walk rates. So, his profile, I think he knows his strengths, and I think he'll continue to maximize them. Yeah, I mean, he has a strikeout rate of less than 13%. That's in, in this day and age when we're saying 
Well, his strikeout rate's only 32%. That's not that bad. 13%. That's incredible. He, he puts the bat on the ball, and that's the name of the game. That's it. Yeah, all absolutely. you have to do. But guys, let's that. that's it for the top five. Uh, let's take a quick break and you know catch our composure, breathe, and we'll be right back. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G R A N D E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. We are back talking about the New York Yankees. We've gone through the top five in the system, and now, Tweety, you've chosen five guys that you want to spotlight to close out the top 20. Next up at number six is another shortstop. And when I look at his tools, he matches or exceeds. Uh, Vargas, who we just spoke about, in, well, everything. Every tool, he's either matching or exceeding him. We're talking Oswald Peraza, shortstop for the Charleston River Dogs in full A-ball. He likely has more pop in the bat than Vargas. What factors cause him to be rated lower than Vargas? Judging on tools, it looks like Peraza has a slightly better major league chance. Yeah, he's, he's one that's done fairly well. I mean, he was chucked in at a deep end a little bit last year into A-ball, but... He he done well, two seventy three average, and he struck struck out twenty eight times. He's done done well, picked up eighteen stolen bases. I don't think there's a a lot that's making him less than Vargas. It's just one of those things of Vargas was interesting from my side defensively, and the fact that he's a switch hitter. Ah, okay. Now we're looking at Peraza, shortstop again, but right and right. So I think that for me is that little bit of a more intriguing factor. Is he's a switcher. Okay. Just he he gives that extra little bit of advantage that gives him that slight bump. Yeah, just because in a in a batting lineup, it's something that is useful to have. I mean, you don't want to obviously have too many righties, so having a switch hitter is beneficial. And a lot some teams do look at that. So for me, that's the only reason why he's above him. But everywhere else, he is either similar or slightly better. He's just, he's done well. He's advanced really well. He's now seeing how he's then going to progress mm-hmm. that because he's been jumped into A. How is he now going to go on for next season? You've missed out a year this year. So going back into it, is he going to still keep the same level and do well again? Or is it one of those ones that he's just an off one year season that's good and he's going to go back down to being a little bit less than that? So, that's the interesting one for him. So let's say all things develop the way the Yankees want them to develop. And we have Vargas as a starting shortstop. Peraza has the slightly better power. So in theory, he can move to third. But his power is not that great. I mean, we're talking 50 raw power, 45 game power in, in the future. That doesn't seem like enough to stick at third. Is Peraza kind of that tweener role if Vargas sticks? Because he might not play short. He might not have enough power to play third. I suppose they could work well together. They could be used one be used as the switcher to the other one could be used as when he's needed as a right-hander. Good, both good at fielding, so you're not going to lose much from a defensive point of view. It's he's one that 
if he continues the way he has been, he could he could get a lot better, especially if he strengthens up, gets more air balls, he generates that high exit velocity with his solid line drives, then it's another one that could be just as good and they could work well together. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something he needs to work on. Just looking at his numbers, 56% ground ball rate, only a 15% line drive, only a 28% fly ball. He does, you're right, he does have to get that ball in the air to really get the full benefit of having that slightly bit more power. Um, Jake, what do you see on Peraza's profile? Do you how how do you see his career playing out? Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, it's a little little weird. It's like you said, it's a little similar to Vargas. I'm kind of on the same path as Tweedy. I'm a little higher on Vargas just due to the little bit of switch hitting and just overall athleticism. I think is a little better with him. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Just something with Peraza. I just don't see as intriguing as I do with Vargas. I'm not super low on Peraza by any means. I just am a little lower. That's why. I'm cool with the five and six to answer your original question back in the day. But yeah, I mean, his role, quite honestly, I mean, first and foremost, I don't think Glaber's going anywhere, but I also don't think he's <laughs> the fair. shortstop of the future. I do think he's going to move off due to his defense. So he'll likely move to second base and they're going to need a shortstop. So both of these guys have their opportunity kind of right in front of them and the other person's going to have to likely find a different role because Glaber's likely not going to be a third baseman and I don't think either of these guys can be a third baseman quite honestly so yeah I'm not as high on the power like you said he doesn't get the ball in the air as much maybe he can work on his launch angles and stuff but just the overall kind of hit hit ability I think is going to be more hit over power as we kind of have on the uh the ranks but I would even go as low as probably a 40 40 on the power he kind of reminds me a little bit of um a different Peraza he's got more a little bit more power than him but um jose peraza just that has been the league a little bit it's like a, a little different profile but name same it's a little bit of a utility profile good hit tool powers like i said a little better than the other peraza but he's got the speed good fielder just it's gonna be tough for him i think to map out map out an entire uh, entire role starting role well it seems like the yankees have a an advantage here where if they have two short stops that they think have the proper fielding tool and, and peraza you know, even though there might be something about Peraza that we can't see, that we can't figure out why he isn't going to make that jump over, you know, Vargas, uh, the Yankees could still ship that, ship him around and say, hey, we've got a major league quality shortstop with some bat, with some power. You put that into a into a trade with a team that is lacking a shortstop depth, and Peraza is an easy find. He'd be a pretty easy plug and play for the proper team that's lacking a shortstop. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely has some value. But let's keep rolling down here. I'm glad I'm glad that you agree with me on there because I worried, as I said that, if I might be overstating his value. But you agree with me, so it must be true, Jake. I won't lie. I'm disagreeing with you because I'm not listening. <laughs> no one ever listens to me. <laughs> let's keep moving down and just pretend like everyone listens to me again. We're going to skip seven and we're going to fall at number eight. We're looking at Luis Medina. And one look at Medina, you're aware of the lights out stuff. He's got a fastball that tops out at one at 102, and he's got a big curve, making him you know more than tantalizing. Then, as I do, I look at the numbers and I see a six ERA and and seven walks per nine. No amount of strikeouts per nine make me like those numbers. Tell me, what do we have in Medina? He is lightning quick, and I think if if he can control that then that's when he's going to become dangerous. I mean, you look at, he looks to, he looks to be that pitcher who's very much really good 
or it can be quite disastrous. He's had 27 wild pitches last year alone. <laughs> it says a lot. This is just one of those ones that his strikeout rate is good. Like we said, his walk rate's not that great. His wild pitches is definitely not great. It's, he's just got the best pure stuff, though, in the system. And I think that's the thing of... I think that'd be why they're so persistent with him because he is, he has got very good stuff. It's just about controlling it, controlling being so fast, yet having decent command, decent control over those pitches. Like I said, he's, his breaking balls are dangerous, massively dangerous. Like in terms of his change up, it's still around 90, 90 miles an hour. That's most. Uh, pitchers fastballs yeah. so he's still fast and range up his curveball low 80s it's a big difference from his fastballs but again he is his action works so well with it that it makes it so dangerous the way it runs over the plate so he's he's got a lot of positives it's just that controlling him holding him back a little bit to try and rein it in a little bit Speaking on that command and hoping he improves it and all that, he kind of did over his last eight starts. Granted, it was only eight starts, but his final eight starts, he had 45 innings, 63 strikeouts, and just 15 walks. So he definitely was improving that. And according to Fangraphs, he threw his throwing 60% strikes in those times, up from about 53% of the time from before. So he was throwing a lot more strikes in the zone, getting more strikeouts, looked a lot better. Um, just compare that to his first nine starts of the season. Fangraph said he was at 35 innings and 41 walks. So kind of night and day from beginning of the year to the end of the year. So I'm not sure if that was just, you know, a good kind of month and a half stretch, or if that's kind of what we can expect. It's tough to tell with us not really seeing him this much year at all this year. If at all, I don't think he's in the come up by any means this year so we're probably not going to see him pitch at all unless some stuff comes out of the alternate site but yeah next year he definitely has a chance to come up if he improves that command i mean if not he's got the stuff to be an insanely lights out reliever if he can get any sort of command i mean he would be touching 100 regularly he would be a one two wipe out with that curveball that change up's got potential as well he would be a top of the line reliever if that command can just get up to about a 45. We have it at a 40 right now. So as a 40, it's tough to pitch in the major leagues. You're, for the most part, just going to get to sit on your fastball. They're going to spit on your curveball, spit on your changeup, and just wait to get a hitter's count and sit on your fastball, and it's going to be tough to succeed. So like I said, he's been he's been finding some success end of the year last year, but will that carry over? There's no real telling. we got to wait until next year to really find that out. Yeah, so I look at his numbers, and I immediately think players like, you know, Dylan Maples and Demarcus Evans and Marshall Kozowski, where they have high expectations because of the, their high stuff and, you know, 80 grade stuff. Obviously, he's not, I'm not saying he has 80 grade stuff, but colloquially 80 grade stuff. And they just don't have the command, so they don't ever make it because Marshall Kozowski could easily strike out 15 per nine, but he also walks whatever, six per nine. Same thing here. Like, it doesn't matter the strikeout rate. If you're, able to walk in a run because you just walked four guys in a row, you're not going to make a major league squad. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely got to throw strikes. And if he can throw strikes, you said he's got legitimate stuff. So he, like, like Tweety said, he challenges anyone in the system for 
the best stuff in the system is just can that command play? That's the real question. Yeah, and I hope it does. And by all means, Yankees fans, I'm not wishing ill will on Medina. I hope he can control that. Like like you said, Jake, in those last eight games, if those last eight games can continue forward, it's just that big if, and, and that if is is huge for him. Uh, but let's keep rolling down. We're going from eight all the way down to number twelve. And we're looking at Everton Pereira. Uh, for Pereira, I'm going to do something that I never do, and I'm going to ignore the numbers. For fans of prospects worldwide, that is a shocking development because his numbers are, are not good. But I'm, I'm going to ignore them because he was the youngest player in the Appalachian League last year, and he also had injuries that kind of stalled his consistency. Tool-wise, he grades out average or slightly above average pretty much across the board. He favors defense over the bat. And for a standard run-of-the-mill team, I'd call him a defensive replacement, you know, fourth outfielder type. But this is the Yankees. Is he going to be able to build up his bat enough to compete in the majors, you know, with those Dominguez, with those Alcantaras? He's not that level. Is he going to be able to build that bat to at least become a fielder for the Yankees? I think you don't give his bat enough credit. I know how much you love your numbers. I mean, we're rating at a 45 hit, a 45 power. That's not lights out. No, it's not. It's not like that. No, of course not. But like I said before, he didn't play that many games due to his injuries. So he had eighteen games. So it's hard to judge that off of just that alone. But he's he doesn't come across as like a all guns blazing aggressive hitter. That's why his strike rate is so high. He's playing against older pitchers. He did at the rookie level where he was. Just 17, and he done well there. Bat an average of 263. He had eight doubles, two triples, and three home runs. He, def- he had some extra base hits, so he done well then. And I think last year is another one of those. He's given that high task against more older pitchers, and the way things have gone from you think go as well they would have expected. I don't think. I don't think he put down his numbers as his be all and end all. I think he can definitely show he's got that. He's got a nice swing. He produces some nice line drives. And he showed that in 2018. But it's just one of those ones that you need to see next year how he's going to come back. Is he going to be able to come back, play a load of games, and then really show how consistent he can be? Yeah, I'm personally a little low on uh, Pereira. Just overall, I think the uh, this profile is a little bit light. I think. Um, just overall, he's probably going to be at best utility guy. Quite honestly, I just don't see the hit tool ever kind of materializing. Quite honestly, it's going to kind of. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's definitely got the tools. I think for the Yankees, definitely he's going to have a tough time fitting into their system. Um, just quite honestly, my my evaluations generally go on any system. Just where I kind of see you, just as a typical major league player, like not just how you will fit on your team, like. Okay, a team has a stacked infield for the Astros. Does every infield prospect just get labeled as a utility guy? And now, no, like they have potential. So I don't look at him that way, but in any team's facet, I would definitely look at Pereira as a utility guy. Just the overall package, I don't see any kind of standout tool to me that says, okay, we can stick this guy in our lineup and he's going to provide this every night, no matter what. He's going to give us speed. He's going to give us defense. He's He's all around solid. And then you get to the bat and it's, a bit light for my opinion. So I think he's going to have to get creative with himself. He's going to have to learn some new positions in the outfield, just kind of be flexible, learn to hit lefties extremely well, and maybe carve out a role there. 
get the ball in the air a little bit more, maybe find some pop. Just overall try to mess with his game a little bit to find a way to overall improve it or just find more consistency in general. I mean, he hasn't really found that yet. If he can, he has that potential to kind of grow into a potential starter role. He's still young, but as of now, I see him definitely as that utility guy. So, so taking an overarching view of Pereira, let's look at the polar opposite of that. And you get to the next guy, uh, Kanan Smith. He's much less of a fielder, but he's got a 50 hit, 50 power, 60 raw power. You know, you said there's not a big difference between a 45 and a 50. I feel like here that 60 raw power just gives us something a little bit more here to grab onto as a Yankees fan who wants to see a home run. The glove and speed are much weaker, uh, but he can hit that short porch in Yankee Stadium. Can we overlook the lack of the elite defense and slot him in as a potential outfielder of the future? Yeah, I've, I, I like him. I'm a, I'm a fan of Smith. I think he's very – he had a big year last year. He it was the first time he made over 100 appearances and he's really done well. He's batting average of 307 is really good, 46 extra base hits. He maybe struck out a bit too much, but again, they all are. They all seem to be power hitters that are going to get struck out. That's nothing new. But he's got that ability to control the zone, and he does he does draw walks. He had 74 walks last season. He had he's had quite a few in the last couple of seasons as well. So he's he is good. And he's he drew the ninth highest in prep history in walks. In so he's he's that slightly different to what the other outfielders give, but in the same sense, he's also got that power to create them runs. Jake, do you see Kanan as the as that bat of the future? I mean, nothing super elite, like I'm saying, 50-60 guy, but do you see someone some some real potential for a lineup changer in Kanan in Kanan Smith? Not like a big shifter, but he definitely will be a solid producer. I think Tweedy's pretty on with his uh, analysis there. He's he's not going to be a fielder. He's definitely going to have to hit to make a lineup. He's we have him as a 50 fielder and a 45 arm and a 45 speed, future 40 speed. So he's definitely going to be a left field profile only. He's not going to be able to really give you much in center or much in right. He has some of that power you look for in right, but as a fielder, he's just you want that arm in right, and he just can't really offer that. But he'll be a left fielder. Um, he's kind of that 5-6 hitter in your lineup in a way. You're not really going to shove this guy in your 3-4 slot, but he extends your lineup. He extends your just depth. He's a left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium. That'll play well. Uh, he he had like like what he said. He's just got a good hit tool. He's got a he's got got some good power. He doesn't strike out too much. I mean, compared to like you said, most prospects and players are striking out over upwards of 27, 30, 30 Ks, and even more. I mean, and he's only at twenty with a fourteen percent walk rate. As Tweedy said, he gets a lot of walks. He sees a lot of pitches. He only has nine point seven percent swinging strike rate. So when he swings, he's generally putting the bat on the ball. And for a guy that has back control and ability to hit the ball as well as he can not swinging and missing is a pretty good thing to do in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think he can Mitch or I definitely think he can reach his potential and find a way into lineups and be a starting left fielder in the major leagues. Okay. And, and you, you touched on the speed for a little bit there. It's not great. It's rated 45 with the future 40, but he did have 16 stolen bases last year. So even though he's not the fastest guy in the world, he runs the base as well. 
He has a good understanding of, I guess, when to steal, how to steal, all that. And he can utilize that 45 speed to his advantage. Yeah, he seems to be a smart. He's got a high baseball IQ. He's got good plate, plate discipline. He's average in the field. But then, he, like you said about his speed, he's not the quickest, but he makes smart runs. And it's interesting when you look at his stats that like even last season, 30, only 36% were pulled. He had a 41% opposite field, so he can hit around the field as well. He knows where to hit the ball. So he is a smart player. I, I, I'm looking at uh, – this is another guy that I'm highlighting on my big board because I'm, I'm very curious in how his future plays out because he's just the proper prospect that might do some damage in Yankee Stadium. I, I, I want to look at, at – see how he plays in four or five years. Yeah, let's, he won't, oh, sorry. Yeah, he oh, won't no, ever you, even be a top prospect in a system with that defense. So he'll always be kind of that under the radar guy, and he'll just kind of pop up. And here we go. Let's see what he's got. And yeah. it's going to be one of those things where there's injuries, and we don't expect it. Probably, quite honestly, like we saw Florial debut today. We're making the uh, podcast today on the Florial debut day, but it's going to be one of those things where he's got the tools to hit, and they'll call him up. And if he can hit, if he can provide offense, they'll let him stick, and he'll find a role. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the role is there. That's for sure. Uh, let's move on to the last guy on our spotlight list. He's at number 19 in the top 20. We're talking Michael Escado. Last year, Escado was the best hitter on the Yankees' Dominican Summer League team, leading the team in average runs and home runs, while also being third in stolen bases. And and this wasn't a trash offense he was leading the, leading the show in. This was a team that won a game 38-2. to They got national headlines winning a game 38-2. to and in that game, Escado got on base six times and hit a home run. He grades out fine in the field and, and seems like he could plug into the infield once he's old enough. Uh, it's very clear he was one of the best in the DSL last year. And, and this year would have gone a long way to prove what he could do against higher competitions and in, in, in rookie ball, A ball and such. Do you think he can continue this torrent bat over the next few levels? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's He's got a good eye. He's plays the field well. He's he's got a high walk rate. So he had 15 percent walk rate. Although he strike out twenty six percent, he seems to be intelligent for his age. Like he's got a good solid stance. He generates decent power. And then once he gets on base, he has the ability to steal bases as well. So he's for someone again. We've highlighted players that are young in this system. He's one of the ones that is bit of a bit of a dark horse for it because the fact that he is not as well known but he has very good potential across most of his stats yeah Escoto's honestly a really interesting prospect quite honestly he's does a lot of things well like you said just across the board he's kind of underrated and another one of just underrated guys I think the hit tool could be even better quite honestly I mean you don't look at stats quite honestly in the Dominican Summer League and to project a guy very well but i mean when, when i see a guy just kind of finding the gaps finding down the lines whatever he's doing and finding 11 doubles four triples eight home runs in 45 games and you're not known as a big hitter and stuff um i don't know i think there's potential there that's just something i kind of look for a little bit in hitters just the ability to kind of just find the gaps with their speed even just if they can find doubles and triples, there's something to say either. Maybe there's just terrible fielders out there and they just don't belong. But um, 
just in general that he's showing the ability to just drive the ball and just find the gaps again. And that's that shows me something that he's he has some potential. But again, it was in the lower levels, so he's going to have to prove that in the higher levels as he keeps moving up. But I definitely think there's some potential here, and just another prospect that he kind of reminds me of. I think he has a better he has better walk rates than him, and just better play discipline in general. But um, as as Stuyo Ruiz on the Padres, we talked about him a little bit at the end of the podcast. Um, our writer Drake brought him up a little bit as one of his guys he was excited about that just didn't make the list because they're so deep. But he reminds me a lot. They just got that bat first, in my opinion. The like, like I said, the bat's better, in my opinion. The fielding is strong. So, I mean, he's got that potential to be a, a bat-strong second baseman with potential to hit for power and steal bases at the next level. And, again, he's not one of those guys that doesn't have that quickest speed, but he's going to find a way to steal seven to ten bases a year. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but there's not a ton of players that can provide pretty solid power potential with about 10, 10 steal potential as well. So if they can do that with solid defense at second base, he's going to be a very valuable player in my opinion. Just It's going to take another year for him to kind of make waves because he's not really showing much this year, but next year he can, he can make some uh, make some headlines, I think. Okay, right. well, I I, uh, I like Escato. I worry because he's a second baseman at, at heart and it's probably his go-to position and that's where Glaber is. And Glaber's only 23, so even if his RB years go long, the Yankees aren't giving him up anytime soon. So Escoto might have to, you know, learn that position flexibility to really make the roster. But he's got a chance. He definitely has a chance for sure. But let's take a broader look at the top 20 here. I just want to mention some some of the guys we didn't we didn't uh, touch on. And actually, at first glance, we haven't mentioned this yet. Really, the Yankee system is all international free agent signings. Uh, 13 of their top 20 here are all international FAs. And then another three are first-round picks. So it's it's all international and top of the draft here. But but let's go through the guys we didn't touch on. Number seven, Esteban Florio, like we said, making his major league debut tonight. Number nine, Anthony Volpe, shortstop. And then we're looking at Austin Wells, catcher. Luis Gill, a pitcher. Miguel Ujor and Alexander Vizcaino, both pitchers. Albert Abreu, a pitcher as well. We've got Antonio Gomez, a catcher, Yandri Gomez, uh, a pitcher, and then rounding out the, t- the 20, at number 20, Josh Smith, shortstop. But Tweety, Jake, like I always do, I want to challenge you to go further outside that list. Outside the top 20, give me some names of guys who would either just missed the list or who might be making an appearance soon after some of these guys graduate. I think one that missed out for me is Anthony Siegler, catcher. I think when you look at especially the top 20, this got in Austin Wells, who's gone straight in at number 10. You've got Antonio Gomez, which obviously one we didn't really touch upon, but you've got Siegel, who's like that third catcher that in, on could have been in around that list, but last year didn't have a great season, 175 batting average at A-level. So it wasn't, it wasn't the best of seasons for him, but he's a switch hitch switch hitter which obviously always works out well and he's just been limited to games and I think that's the key thing that's knocked him off the list he's missed too many games and he's just one of those ones that he could have made it if he'd had more game time to really show what he's what he's made of I I like Siegler Siegler was uh, some of my friends are Yankees fans and when Siegler was drafted I texted a couple of them was just like dang like that's that's a good pick <laughs> you guys you guys chose a good guy there are you guys um, not going to mention the guy can throw with both arms that i was literally oh okay never mind i was about to mention something <laughs> but yet 
you took it from me. So no, you you take it now. It's on the pod. It's it's on wax. You stole this from me. I wanted to give him something to give to us. <laughs> Jake, would you like to talk to the world about Siegler? Um, no, not much. I think he touched Siegler. I, I think he definitely has some, quite honestly, some some concerns. I think he's just a really fun player, but um, yeah, just enough on Siegler, quite honestly. But um, just a few players that I wanted to touch on is Antonio Cabello. Uh, I, I really like the tool set there, quite honestly. I think the hit tool is a 50. He's got some power. He's got speed. He's got a plus speed. He's a good defender. I would have him a pop, roughly about a above average defender, probably closer to a 50, but he's got a, he's got a decent arm. He's got ability to play at this point, all three outfield positions, but the bass is what you're kind of looking for right now. He's got a strong bat. Uh, he's in a, he's going to move into a corner outfielder likely in the long term, but he's young. Another one of these young kids, but we just got to kind of, wait on him and see what he can kind of develop into. But another one is Ezekiel Duran. Just I'll be honest. It's not that I am actually wanting him on the list per se. It's just, I'm actually, I don't know. He's, he's another one of those guys that I am not sure how to quite tab yet. Some sites have him ranked even inside the top five. I mean, they see him as a pretty decent prospect in the system, but again, I don't see it right now. I think he has some potential. Obviously I think he might be able to fit into the back end, but um, just overall, I, I didn't see a ton to see definitely not a top five prospect, but so I'm look I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now. Uh, last year only had 63 hits and 246 at bats only 63 hits, but 29 of them were for extra bases, 12 doubles, four triples, and 13 home runs. So he's making the most of it when he touches the ball. Yeah, I mean he definitely showed up last year. It's just again one of those guys that I can't exactly like tab. It's just. A weird profile. He's definitely a below average defender. So that's part of the reason I'm not exactly high on him. Yeah, like from just the fielding, the speed, the arm, they're all below average. So in my opinion, it's tough to give a guy a top five prospect pedigree when you've done that. And as you said, he, he showed well, but it's not like he set the world on fire. He wasn't like Wander Franco out there where it's like, okay, we can just ignore this defense because this guy's Wander Franco with the bat like no he, he's not even doing that so he's we'll see on him again I don't see him as a top five prospect like some people do but maybe he's maybe he's gonna show me wrong this year and he's gonna show me in both Tweety wrong because we don't have much of sales on him other than people like him and we don't know what to say <laughs> that's, that's that's a good scouting report you should uh <laughs> apply to all 30 major league teams with a scouting report of people like him and eh, I don't know <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say I like the guy if I don't. I mean, he's 21 and he hasn't proven it yet. I mean, like again, he's 21 and he's playing in the lower levels right now. He hasn't shown that ability to just be a stud. Like if you're a top five prospect in a system that is not, I wouldn't say extremely deep, but that has talent at the top, like the Yankees, I would expect to see more out of him when I looked at some tape. But like I said, we'll see. Okay. Well, we will see. And guys, that is it for the Yankees today. Like always, we want to keep these T20s short and tight. Tweety, thank you so much for joining us again. From overseas, I know it's tough to to join us. It's probably, what, 3 a.m. over there in England right now. But it was a pleasure having you on today. It's worth every minute. So thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that apparently you don't have a sleep schedule. So this works in our favor. (laughs) Well, another guy who doesn't have a sleep schedule, (laughs) Mr. Jay Tillinghast, thank you again for joining us. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything you want to plug. Um, yeah, obviously you can find me on Twitter. Um, Jake, or sorry, Jay Tillinghast27. 
J-T-I-L-L-I-N-G-H-A-S-T-2-7, Prospects Worldwide, Prospects World W, prospectsworldwide.com. Um, we got some good videos up there, prospects and uh, some draft guys for the next couple of years. And as we're able to kind of get out in the world and do our thing and scout these guys and get video for you guys, we'll have a ton more coming up. We got some guys located out in Arizona for the AFL and all that. So tons of videos on the way when that gets rolling again, hopefully this year, but looking pretty grim. Uh, Tweety, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at MLBUKanalysis1. And we're looking at Royals was released not long ago. And then looking at Dodgers and Nationals in okay. the near future. Well, as always, I'm John Giles. And you can follow me at PumaRevive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to the pod. Please leave us reviews. Five-star reviews are beautiful to see. Uh, remember to give us that good review, and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com. Click around over there, find all the articles. We've got first impressions, we've got draft recaps, we've got, you know, obviously these top 20s. Everything's coming out. A lot of great stuff that Jake's working with over there. And please, if you have any questions about a team that we haven't done yet, or you just want to hear us banter on something, like let's say Alexander Vargas's Instagram account, you should go check on that. Check on that. It is some hot stuff. <laughs> waiting for this banter at the end you guys if you followed us to the end here it is enjoyable send us a line to prospect world w on twitter and i will read those questions later thanks for listening today i am john giles and this is prospects worldwide